0: a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep so into a realm of Koi Gyu casting in Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. Hi, everyone,
1: it's Friday, April 13th. 2012 and you're listening to episode 36 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen and I'm Maggie and we're parked in lawn chairs outside chapters waiting in line to get the copies of JK Rowling's new book. We're actually sitting out here with camping gear. Yes it comes out in September. So? No I don't care. The blue's nice we might as well. It's nice for the moment. Canadian springs tend to be very, Changeable. Sh- very short-lived yes. and malevolent. Yes, and then they turn into summer, which is hot as balls. But it gives us a lot of, lots of knitting time. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> so in Adventures in Knitting.
0: My knitting. All right. It hasn't been very adventurous because I've been pretty monogamous this week. So, we all know I've had... Yeah, yeah, deal with it. (laughs) Jeez. This is how I get some of my stuff done. Okay, so I have sort of like, what, three quarters of a pair? Yeah. Something like that. No,
1: more like 1.5. No. Yeah, you have 1.5 socks. Yes. Three quarters of a pair.
0: Yeah, so all I've been working on right now are the Watsons, and I'm at the point with the second sock where I need to do the gusset and the heel, and the gusset on mine goes really steep and fast because of how small my foot is. Yeah. But that's pretty much all I have been doing, unfortunately. I was hoping I would have turned the heel by the time we recorded, but, you know, life goes on. Mm Mm-hmm. Life happens, and it goes on. So, unfortunately, that's all I've really been doing. I have been daydreaming. I have been yeah, daydreaming about future projects.
1: Yeah. Like the,
0: the vodka lemonade cardigan that we talked about. And I'm also starting to get the itch to do Christmas presents. Oh, lordy. I know! And the funny thing is that I think only, like, two people on my list so far have knitting as Christmas gifts.
1: So far? Lists
0: adapt <sighs> as as the seasons turn.
1: Yeah, the worrisome thing is if it adapts in like mid November. Hopefully by mid November yeah, if I haven't done it in mid November it
0: it had better be for an immediate family member who I owe lots of boons to or something like that. Yeah. But anyways, no, I've I've just been doing my steadily plotting forward on Watson and daydreaming about all of the other pretty things that I can knit.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. When I get there. Yeah, when you get there. You still have you have this Watson to finish. Yes. Then you have a cadence. other Cadence to finish. Yes. And then you will be moving on to new things?
0: Then I will be moving on into bright new horizons. I have no idea where, what, or
1: which, but... Okay, I was going to ask if you had well, a project that was burning up your brain.
0: Jeez, I still have the Evendim sweater. Mm-hmm. I have the smog socks I want to make for myself. Mm-hmm. There is the vodka lemonade mm-hmm. cardigan that, if I made it... I could wear until easily into September. Because I'm saving the shawl, the dragon shawl, for the Hobbit knit-along. Yes, the Hobbit-along. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Hobbit-along. So... It's it's sort of like down to the the sweater, the cute little cardi. I can always keep the socks with me as my on the go. Oh. You are indecisive. I'm very indecisive. Very, very indecisive. Because let's face it, if we all start knitting a, a good winter sweater in winter, yeah. you never wear it that way. It doesn't get finished. It doesn't in get... winter. So I'm trying to figure out. Okay, when am I gonna start the Evendim if I want to wear it this coming cold season? When do I need to start that?
1: I would say you know you could start maybe end of August or in September, but we're going to be doing the Hobbit along that time as well, and working on two pro two projects is a problem. Why? <laughs> Especially depending on the complexity of the projects and if you have, like, four months in advance to Okay. Do
0: okay, okay. the project for the Hobbit Along. Yes, there's the Hobbit Along. Oh, and I need to finish those socks for Ravelry, uh, for the Olympics. But that's in July. July. Yeah. So I still have some time.
1: What was I going to do for the Ravel Olympics again? Oh, yes, that was it. What was that? The diadem shawl. Yeah. In Ravenclaw Blue. Yes. But I will give the details on that.
0: Okay. So, what about you? Adventures and knitting.
1: Okay. Well, I've had a little bit of adventures. First, I worked a little bit more on the Vlad shawl. Not a lot because there was quite a few days this week when I just wasn't really home and didn't really have a chance. And then, for some reason, because I'm on crack or something, I brought it with me to knit night on Thursday. And you've actually on a lot of crack of late. Yeah. This was the crack of the kind of I know, like when we have knit nights on Thursdays because we alter every other week. So we have one week we'll have it Thursday, next week we'll have it Wednesday, and we'll alter. But the Thursdays always fall. On days when I'm pretty much always work till 5 on Thursdays. So it is not worth it for me to take the bus home. <laughs> Right. And then get the busted knit night. So I just go straight from one to the other. But that makes for a very long day, and I'm almost always really tired. So why I thought I should bring the shawl, where I kind of have to follow the pattern, or I always sort of have to figure out what the hell I have to do at the center. Why I brought this with me on Thursday, I don't know. I did get through a couple rows without any major mistakes. Or through, like, one pattern repeat, I think. One chart repeat, I should say. Without any really huge major mistakes, but there was a few times where I, like, I kept getting to the center and being like, this... Not making sense. <laughs> Brain no worky. And I finally would realize that I had like missed a decrease or something. Which Brain is in. why I had more stitches than I needed or whatever. It was like, I don't know why. I thought it would be a good idea to bring it, but I brought it because probably because it was just a different project than the one I had for my bus knitting. Which is the Crystalline Socks by Kaylin Meyer. Published in the Daily Skein. And I believe I mentioned these before. They're that sort of smocking pattern. Yes. Where you use strands of yarn that you slip multiple stitches, and you strand the yarn in the front, and then later you pick up the strand and tuck it behind a stitch above to make little Vs, and you stagger them so they make little diamond shapes. So now the, the name, the Crystalline Socks, makes sense. Yeah, so I've got one which is past the heel and into the leg. And it is nice and pretty, and it's a really nice pattern to do with, like, really wackily variegated yarns. And, as I mentioned before, these ones are done out of yarn that I dyed myself. I think it's, like, the first sock yarn that I dyed with actual acid dyes. And this one is in pink and purple and white and turquoise. And I believe we decided the colorway name was Cotton Candy and Tilt-A-Whirls Do Not Mix. Yeah. And that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> but you're
0: right about the wildly variegated because it takes the colors, and with the stranding,
1: it mixes them a little bit more. And these ones also have cables going down the sides. They probably might sound, some people have probably seen the Layburn socks, which I think were for Knitty. It's like that except these have cables going down the sides. And the cables I'm doing are slightly different. The other one it was like a I think you repeated every four rows and every six you crossed every four rows and every six rows or something like that. It okay. was it was an uneven cable where you crossed a smaller yeah. cross and then a bigger cross. Yeah. I'm just doing it every eight rows. Just because I I was gonna do it on the bus and I didn't wanna have to fuss with that part. And then today I cast on like literally I did Judy's Ma- Magic Cast on. You've got a little caterpillar of stitches yeah. right there. And then did the first row around. I didn't even get to the increase row. I was on the bus and the bus stopped in front of a high school and a whole bunch of kids got on and someone sat next to me and I can't knit unless I can relax my shoulders and have my arms go down to my sides and you know stick out a little bit even. When I'm knitting And you can't do that on the bus When someone is sitting next to you mm. So I, I, they sat next to me after I did the cast on And I hadn't even done the first row around And just doing that one row was painful I was like, okay my arms and my shoulders really hurt. I'm putting this away now. Great, I get to sit on the bus for the next half hour and not knit. Damn you high schoolers. But this occurred while I was on the bus in Hamilton because I went to the Needle Emporium today because I figured I am not going to the Knitter's Frolic. I am going to go to the Needle the Needle Emporium And I'm going to buy myself a little bit of yarn. I'm still going to be conservative in yarn buying, because I am still kind of trying to honor something of the stash down. (laughs) But some of those rules that I mentioned with the stash down, well, I made those rules thinking I was going to go to the Knitter's Frolic. And the Knitter's Frolic was going to be, you know, the release off the pressure valve. And since I'm not going... Some of those rules for the stash down are getting relaxed a little bit. So I got two skeins, both by Madeline Tosh, because oh dear god, like, ah, uh, picking what I wanted. I, I swear I was in there for like an hour. Hour and fifteen minutes at least. Now you know my pain. Just when sort I was of looking wandering back and forth, not because well, not because I was totally indecisive, but because there were so many pretty things and different kinds of yarns that I wanted. Yeah, and I like no, I should really limit myself to just two. So I went for the Tosh. They had some gorgeous Madeline Tosh lace. So pretty. I wanted it, but instead I got Tosh Marina Light. Which is a fingering and it's a single ply. And I got it in the flash dance colorway. Which is purples and pinks. And some of them are very bluey purples and some of them are pinky purple.
0: That reminds me a lot of the Malabrigo color. I think it's called
1: Velvet Grapes. Yeah.
0: It reminds me a lot of that sort of colorway.
1: Yeah, except Velvet Grapes is a bit more... I think it depends slightly on what dialogue it is. But it's a bit more like it's closer to one color in light, medium, and dark. Okay. This is all sort of about the same... Tonality? Tonality? Yeah, it's the same, it's all fairly dark and rich, but it's a little more blue, a little more pink, more purple, plummy, so it has more of a a depth and a richness to it. And the the Tosh Merino Light, I am going to do some sort of shawl or scarf thing out of it. I also got a skein of Tosh Sock in the Cousteau colorway, (laughs) which I have been coveting for a while, because... It's greens, and blues, and teals, and wow, who does that sound like? But again, it's sort of that, like, there's more greeny, and there's more blue, and there's more... So it has, a, again, sort of a more depth and richness to it. And I got the Tosh sock because I figured the Tosh Merino Light, I was definitely going to do a shawl or something in, but it's Merino not, it's... sock yarn, two-ply sock yarn, it's just so versatile. I could make a shawl out of it, or I could make gloves, or I could make a scarf, or I could make socks, or I could make a bunch of stuff out of a single skein of sock yarn. Yes, you could. So I decided I would get it because that way, you know, I didn't have a pat. I didn't have to have a pattern in mind and I didn't even have to have a kind of project in mind. I can let the yarn tell me what it wants to be <laughs> or see what I want to do when with you it. get to it. Yeah, it is very pretty. I don't know that it's going to be marinating in the stash for too long, though, because it's so pretty. But then Tosh has so many of those like really rich colors that I absolutely love. Yeah, Tosh so is good like was that. it was really hard to decide what I wanted Tosh is good like that. But yeah, so that was my adventures. No movies this week. No, I didn't go to any movies this no week. No movies. So this the movie week. socks are in my bag. I might be going to a movie on the weekend. I kind of want to see Titanic in 3D again. Again, <laughs> I have been sort of nudging locals and being like, "Hey, yeah, uh, if you want to go to this movie, I would certainly be willing to go again." So, I think I might need to see it again to take the taste of the Titanic TV series out of my mouth. But okay, so. Moving into GeekSquee. So, in GeekSquee, we have, of course, a bunch of Avengers news. And I should probably say, too, like, for the next few weeks, there's probably going to be some sort of Avengers segment. Until the movie comes out.
0: And, and then we we're going to have a
1: big movie review. Yes. And we were just
0: literally just going, okay, this comes out in, like, three weeks. By the time this is released, it might be two weeks. And we're all just, we're sitting there at the table going need this, need this, need this movie, need this now. Need
1: this now. And not helping is that they released another scene from the movie.
0: We saw a a very small clip in months past of Tony Stark pouring drinks and sparring verbally with Loki. Yeah, if-
1: it's that little tiny clip in the trailer from when Loki says I have an army. and We have a Hulk. Yeah. But that scene has now been expanded. It's the context behind that yes. quote. Yes. And you see Loki pacing
0: back and forth from the window like a tiger. He's still kind of like dark smexy.
1: And Tony being sort of snarky and flippant but there is an undercurrent of we so gonna kick your ass under it. It's kind of nice because you get a little bit more of that threatening that like if you mess with us we are going to mess with you hard yeah and if we
0: can't take you down we sure as hell are going to go out kicking snarling and taking
1: flesh yes we're going to do as much damage as damage as possible
0: it's an expansion of that scene i want to see it can't wait to see this movie i know i know i know i know i just can't wait the admin monkey
1: just asked if he was allowed to come with us Hell yes! <laughs> to see the movie, probably gonna be seeing if like anybody else wants to come. It might be like when we went to see—I uh, think it was Wolverine. Oh yeah, there that was a bunch or, well, of... that and or Watchmen too, where there was like eight
0: people <laughs> in the group. I remember during Wolverine when he's when he was
1: in the truck and he says, "I'm Canadian." Just the, yes! ut-
0: the entire theater, just like. Wah!
1: <laughs> yes, for any of the Americans, or well, not even. Well, I mean, especially the Americans because it was set in the states. But the bit where where someone's like, "But what about your duty to your country?" When Wolverine's like taking off, and he's like, "I'm, I'm Canadian. Canadian." There was such a cheer
0: in the theater. <laughs> in the theater. Remember, we are a Canadian podcast. Yes. Just telling you what happened on this side do, of the border. Do, do,
1: do. Yes, I'm sure it didn't play quite as well in the states.
0: Yeah. Probably not.
1: But that's not the only Avengers news.
0: Avengers did have its world premiere on this past Wednesday. And there's pictures of, you know, everybody in suits and one mini dress in in the crowd. (laughs) And there's glitter going everywhere and stuff. And, yeah, and they continued filming later that night. (laughs) Yeah, apparently,
1: according to Mark Ruffalo like uh Robert Downey Jr mentioned it in the press conference at the end in the press end. conference at the end yeah but Mark Ruffalo said later like no yeah we really are film. we really are filming something tonight and we don't know what it is we have just been told to show up in costume <laughs> That's, and he, he said that he, somebody passed Chris in the theater dressed in, like, Thor battle makeup.
0: He wasn't in yeah, costume. Yeah, it was
1: actually one of the reporter... I think it was the reporter from... Yeah, I from io9. Okay. They bumped into he- Chris Hemsworth in the elevator. They said he was in full Thor battle mode makeup. They said he wasn't in costume, but he was covered in dirt and battle ash, which is hardly the face you'd usually put before the press. So it looked like he was on his way. He'd been done makeup and he was on his way to do the scene.
0: Oh my god, Chris Hemsworth just all dirty and battle lust and uh
1: according to Ain't it I Cool I need a moment. Yeah, according you'll be in your bunk. Yeah. You are gonna be bad during this movie. Oh then. hell yes. If he's fighting and stuff, he's probably gonna be covered in that makeup for like half the movie. I'm just gonna tell the, the the husband to go sit somewhere else. Don't spoil my fantasy. But yes, apparently Ain't it Cool News has said it's more of a curtain call, which is their phrasing an actual scene, so, like, it might be one of those post-credits scenes. Right, that's probably, that segues into one of the other movies. Yeah, and someone else mentioned that, like, they said, okay, well, I guess Chris Evans isn't going to be involved, because apparently he's a beard right now. So, yeah. I, oh, I can't wait to see that movie.
0: Eee! I know, I know, I know! I'm, I'm going to be so freaking impatient the day of that movie. I'm going to be just watching the clock at work, going, Oh, God, yeah Tick-tock,
1: tick-tock. Faster, faster, faster! If they actually have a midnight premiere, which I don't know if they will. At least not in this area, I don't know. But if they have a midnight premiere, I'm going to be, during during work, I'm going to be, oh my god, I don't care, just get me to midnight. And if we don't have a midnight premiere around here, and it comes out on the Friday, I hope to god I am off that Friday. Because <laughs> otherwise I'm just going to be like, don't care, wanna see the Avengers. But that's not the end in Avengers news. This isn't for the Avengers the movie, but for one of the individual movies in the series. So Iron Man 3 is supposed to be coming out a year from when the Avengers movie comes out. It's coming out May 3rd, 2013. And apparently Ben Kingsley has been cast as the big villain in Iron Man 3. The big baddie. Uh, apparently a lot of people were speculating that he was going to play a villain called the Mandarin. Apparently not. Okay. Okay. Or at least, according to Variety, he's not. In Variety, it said, instead, Kingsley's character is involved in the spread of a virus through nanobots, given that Iron Man 3 is loosely based on Warren Ellis' six-issue Extremist comic book series, published in 2005. Hmm. So, if you have read this series, then you have some idea of what the movie might involve, and who Kingsley might be playing. I have not read it, so I have no clue. (laughs) No, I haven't either, but when you consider Tony Stark's technological
0: edge Mm -hmm. and the fact
1: that this is going to be nanobots. Yes, something that might take down the suit. Ooh, that could be interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, we just mentioned last week, like, the problem with a villain is, like, how do you make a villain that is equal to your hero so that there is some actual stakes? Yep. And this would be an interesting way to do it without having another guy in a suit. And plus, like, as soon as I saw that, I don't know the, the comic book series, I don't know who he might be playing, but as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I don't care who he's playing. This is Ben Kingsley. <laughs> he has won an Oscar, right? Yeah. If not, it is a travesty because it is Ben Kingsley. I'm sorry, when you have an actor of that caliber in your movie, it is going to be good. Gonna be dishing out a lot of Avenger stuff for like a year. Years-uh. Years-uh. Because there's Iron Man 3. There's Thor two, Thor two, Captain America two. That's right. I'm sure they'll be doing another Avengers movie or two or three. Damn, <laughs> I'm sure they are going to be riding this gravy train as long as they possibly can. Gravy train with biscuit wheels. Mmm, biscuits and gravy. <laughs> How long is it till I go to Kentucky again? But yeah, so that's your Avengers segment for this week. If I thought of this earlier, we should have had come up with some kind of little musical segment or intro. Oh well, maybe next week. The Avengers jazz hands. But yes, moving into other news. There is some huge, huge literary news, which we referred to in the beginning of the podcast. The new book
0: that will be coming out from J.K. Rowling, from the Little Brown Book Group, is called The Casual Vacancy. The synopsis has been released, and it will be available on Thursday, September 27th of this year. Ergo, us camping out. Outside of the bookstore. (laughs) By the way, for anybody
1: who doesn't know, Chapters is the local bookstore here. It's like a chain. Not even local. It's like Chapters and Indigo, it's the same company, is the equivalent of Barnes & Noble or Mm. what Borders used to be. So, the casual vacancy.
0: When Barry Fairweather dies unexpectedly in his early 40s, the little town of Pagford is left in shock. Pagford is, seemingly, an English idyll with a cobbled market square and an ancient abbey but what lies behind the pretty facade is a town at war. Rich at war with poor, teenagers at war with their parents, wives at war with their husbands, teachers at war with their pupils. Pagford is not what it first seems, and the empty seat left by Barry on the parish council soon becomes the catalyst for the biggest war the town has yet seen. Who will triumph in a ele- in an election fraught with passion,
1: duplicity, and unexpected revelations? That's as blackly comic, thought-provoking, and constantly surprising. The Casual Vacancy is J.K. Rowling's first novel for adults.
0: Four hundred and eighty pages, approximately.
1: Yeah. Well, as someone said, it's probably approximate because maybe because they still have to. Well, I imagine they should probably have the style of the book set-ish. Probably. But, you know, she might still be working on some of the text, or they might still be doing some edits, so it could change a little bit. Yeah. So it sounds very different from Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, it sounds very British, but obviously, you know, from the synopsis, it doesn't sound like there's going to be no magic, no wizards, no fantasy. No Snape. Sadly. There might be a parallel Snape in here. Yeah, you never know. You never know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She might use the character trope. But it certainly sounds really interesting. I haven't, I haven't gone looking for reaction, partly because if there are people bitching about this, I don't want to know. Because, I mean, it does sound very different from Harry Potter, and I could see some people being, like, disappointed or something that it's not. Yeah, yeah. Know, oh, it's not
0: fantasy, it's not whatever. It's like, well... <laughs> she said it was not going to be a Harry Potter book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, she said it wasn't going to be a Harry Potter book, but I mean, I think a lot of people would probably still have expected that it would be. And I think she did say, too, that it was probably going to be an adult book, but I think a lot of people might still have expected her to stay within the genre. But, like, if she has more than one story within her and the others are not fantasy, or if she has, you know, if she has inspiration for another story in another genre, go ahead. By the way, if you want to keep tabs on
0: the Book, go to wwwlittlebrowncouk
1: backslash the casual vacancy. Yeah, and they've got ISBNs in case you want to find it somewhere, and they also have projected prices for different versions, including they mentioned the ebook version right at the bat, so yep. hopefully there'll be an ebook available immediately. But yeah, I really want to see it, especially considering it says, you know, it's going to be sort of dark comedy. It sounds like it could be fun, because I like her brand of humor.
0: So has anybody else heard about this, and what are your opinions on the
1: synopsis of the book so far? What's your ideas? Let us know. Just today I saw an email from Chapters saying you could pre-order the book. i don't know if I'm... I don't think I'm going to go that far and pre-order it. Because it's not... It isn't Harry Potter, but it isn't Harry Potter in the sense that it's not a story where I am already completely invested in the characters. Yeah. So it's not like I want to read this immediately. Or especially in the case of Harry Potter, it's not a case where I am completely invested in the characters and the world, and I do not want anyone to spoil me, and if they spoiled me, I would dig their eyes out with a spoon. And then... Put them on
0: some mismatched netting needles and skewer them over a nice open fire.
1: I was thinking more of the medieval way of, like, stabbing things on a pike and sticking them in the yard to warn off others. Oh. But, I mean, so, like, that was a big reason for getting it, for doing, like, the for pre-ordering and doing the whole midnight release thing. Because you wanted it and you wanted to know it now because you were so crazy addicted to these characters. And because between some of the books we'd been waiting, like, three, four years. Yeah. So you've been waiting forever for the next book, and you were very invested in it, yada, 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 and you didn't want to get spoiled, so you wanted to get the book in your hot little hands as soon as possible. Right. In this case, it's like, okay, I don't know about these characters yet or anything like that, so she's a really good author and I really want to read it, but I don't think I'm going to do the whole pre-order craziness thing. Well, going from one kind of craziness into another kind of craziness, there's a website called mapofthedead.com, which is the zombie survival map. What you can do is you can look up your location on a map. It uses Google's information and it will show you the location of things you may need during a zombie apocalypse. So, for example, it'll show you, well, much good as it is in Canada, but it'll show you the the location of gun stores. Yeah. For, as it says, to stock up on firearms and ammo, maybe they'll have a crossbow. Grocery stores, convenience stores, hardware stores. Chris says, can't find weapons? Build your own. I imagine the hardware stores are pretty popular. Liquor stores. It says, it says, it's the apocalypse. Might as well get drunk or make Molotov cocktails. Shopping malls, because of course you can... Block yourself up in a shopping mall, and you have everything you need. Outdoor stores. They have hospitals, doctors, pharmacies, and dentists listed because they have sort of a sliding scale of how dangerous it may be to get medical supplies. Mm -hmm. So where you can get medical supplies, but where the least, the less dangerous ones would be, like pharmacy or a dentist's office. Location of cemeteries because, of course, they will be crawling crawling with zombies. Radio towers, police, military installations. When you think about it, certain hospitals... With morgues, will also be crawling with zombies. Yes. Well, because that's why it says likely overrun and extremely dangerous, but could hold val- hold valuable me- medical supplies. So, basically, if you're making a really fast pit stop, you better be well-armed at yeah. a... Especially considering, depending on what kind of zombie apocalypse we're talking about. Yeah. If we're talking of the, the viral kind, where, you know, it begins with some sort of illness, or especially if you start showing some symptoms, you don't actually die, you just turn into a zombie. Right then yes, hospitals would be very dangerous. Yeah, that's when you basically get in a trailer, go out to the wilderness and start living off Mother Nature. You talk to your next door neighbor with smoke signals. It'll show the location of various places where you can find different kinds of supplies. And you can select it to show what it calls danger zones. I'm not sure how it classifies a danger zone, especially because when I click off, if I'm looking at my own city, if you click off no danger zones, then it's just a sort of black and gray map. And if you click danger zones, things show up in pink and red but like every street is showing up as pink and there's a lot of buildings that are showing up as red like schools and plazas and stuff but some of them are also ones that it's marked so i'm not entirely sure what they classify as danger zones okay here we go under the frequently asked questions because it would be helpful if i had spotted that earlier it says what are danger zones technically they are areas specified as having man-made structures so a large danger zone will likely result in more zombies because more people would be around yeah Which is why the malls are in a darker red. Okay. Too. Because, like, okay, so there'd be a lot of people at the mall when the outbreak happens. Okay. Or when the zombie apocalypse happens. So. If one person there gets bitten or infected or whatever it is, it would probably spread pretty rapidly through a large group of people. Of course, as it mentions and as the commenters on io9 where I found this mentioned, if the zombie apocalypse happens, chances are at some time the power grid is going to go down because there's no one to... Man it. To man it. Yeah. So, what's the point? The internet will be down when I actually need this. And then they say, use the handy print function to generate a hard copy. (laughs) Or as someone else in the io9 comments mentioned, it's like, well, this is for preparation, so that when it happens, you are prepared. Yes. Yeah, it works using the the Google Places API for keyword or category matches to to, uh, useful places. But since the map relies entirely on Google Maps for data, some places may be incorrect or not show up. Like, I don't think I saw any liquor stores in our area on the map. That's actually pretty accurate. No, because there should be liquor stores. Oh, you saw the whole St. Catharines, that's right. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, there should be. I would have seen one like a fair view, yeah. but but then two. Part of it might have been because depending what their search terms are, how they're registered. Yeah, because ours are run by the That's LCBO. Right. Yeah. So it might not have come up Yeah, it says it does work internationally So our international listeners can also check their local areas But it mentions that it's areas that have Google Places data And the keyword searches are in English So you might have mixed results in non-English speaking countries So I'm not sure how it'll work for, say, for our, our listeners in Finland and Sweden and Abu Dhabi I'm just imagining zombies
0: trying to cross the Sahara. Yeah.
1: That must be an awful stink. Ooh. (laughs) Your face just wrinkled. Though I'm now thinking too, you know, for our listeners in in Finland and Sweden, depending on the time of year, I imagine the cold wouldn't be very good for zombies either.
0: No, it would probably make them very brittle. Yeah. Yeah. That would make them, or probably take down their armor class a bit. Sorry. Which makes
1: me think if, you know, if there was a zombie apocalypse when Canada is under, you know, wintry conditions. That would be the best time. I'd be like, you know, I haven't seen any zombie movies that have that sort of attack, but then that would might make for a very boring zombie movie.
0: It might. They would sort of splinter and shatter instead of go squish and goosh. Yeah, or they, they'd
1: move very very slowly.
0: Oh, can you imagine zombies falling on ice?
1: Oh Oh my god, that'd be the best video ever. That would be sort of like the Three Stooges. People would be posting videos on YouTube for the lols, because they're like, okay, these zombies so can't get to me because my... I can see someone spraying Spraying the lawn. lawn. There we
0: go. Zombie apocalypse, uh, at least for the winter months of Canada, we are good. Anyone who knows how to make a a homemade ice rink, you are good. You are set. Just make sure that you have enough food inside the house for a little bit of a while. Get in the house, turn (laughs) on your video camera, and laugh your ass off. It, It would so be like the Three Stooges (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, yes. Because they they're not gonna get back up. And they're only gonna pile on
1: top of each other. And eventually it's just gonna be sort of like a zamboni of zombies. And eventually they'll just sort of And they'll fall down and they'll probably freeze to it too. There's that. And so you'll have you'll have zombie ice sculpture in your yard. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the squirrels don't hide nuts in those. Hide nuts in their nuts. Or something. <laughs> But yes, so now there's a thought for everyone to take away from this. I know. I, I think I might have to name this episode "Zombie Ice Culture.
0: Yeah. Okay, we can do that. I'm trying to think of anything. <laughs> this this could get really uh, this could get really interesting. we we gotta find Yeah, and
1: some... my brain is now going on the possibilities. But like I said, I mean, they would never do a zombie movie about that because, like we were saying earlier, your vi- your villains have to match your heroes. Yeah, because they did they did a vampire wintery
0: movie. I can't remember what it what the name was, but it was mm. like they only come out at night, and it was all. It was all cold, ice and snow and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, but, but I'm trying to think. They're not for really zombies. See, zombies are like ambulatory rotting, fr- rotting right. flesh.
0: Now, depending, on so I can see your... the cold
1: affecting them, but I can see cold not affecting vampires.
0: Yeah, I know. Now, depending on your genre of zombie, though, yeah, can they bend their
1: knees and their elbows, mm-hmm. or are they stiff? I guess it depends on. How long they've been dead Or again it depends On the type of zombie Again if you're talking About like Infection epidemic Sort of zombie Ah, Or actual dead Crawling out of the grave Sort of zombie
0: Oh man Being a geek Just demands So many
1: details (laughs) right. Well considering The number of times That like groups Our groups of friends Have somehow segued into The zombie apocalypse Discussion And like Exactly how We are prepared for it And like Debating You know Whose house We should go to And all that sort of stuff Yeah I remember distinctly a few times, like being in a car with a bunch of our friends or something and the conversation just somehow going into zombie apocalypse territory it all, it always goes there the fine tuning of it it's always going to zombie apocalypse yeah it's I, like it's like 6 degrees of zombie apocalypse conversation
0: i think uh, a couple of people <laughs> will actually be disappointed if they get to the end of their lives and they, <laughs> this doesn't
1: happen <laughs> yeah a few of them especially ones that have like swords and stuff will be like oh i never got to use my sword against zombies damn it but yes anyway moving okay. on to
0: other life forms <laughs> So, going from the dead life forms into the, hey, there's life life forms. Lo and behold, there is life on Mars. And, in fact, it was found 36 years ago. We just didn't realize it. it. The new results question the findings of the Mars Viking experiments that happened in 1976. The results originally said that they didn't find life. And the new results are now questioning the findings and the analysis was based on studying the mathematical complexity of the results um i believe from what little was read there was um some question about the complexity of soil samples that were found
1: yeah it says in this article that we're looking at at uh discovery.com it says that researchers crunched raw data collected during runs of the experiment which looked for signs of microbial metabolism in soil samples so the general consensus of scientists has been that this experiment found geological not biological activity so I guess they were looking for signs in the in the soil that microbes had actually been present. Yeah. Yeah. Been eating and pooping. But it's what they do yeah, they don't really do much else, really. <laughs> you know, the but, stock market occasionally, but... Yeah, but I guess it's the sort of thing where they were looking at it, and they had to decide, okay, is this from microbes doing it, or is it from, like, just geological things? And they went down to the geological side.
0: Now, of course, there are scientists coming down on the other side saying, well, we don't understand enough about these results to say that it's life on Mars, but... yeah. This has been what has been released is that it is believed that evidence
1: of life was found. Yeah, because it says the new study took a different approach. They looked at the original research and they they took the data and put it into sets of numbers and analyzed the results for complexity, I guess, of what they had found. Because living systems are more complicated than non-biological systems. And so they were looking at the experiment from a purely numerical perspective, it says in the article.
0: Yeah, so the high degree of order is more characteristic of biological rather than purely physical processes.
1: Yeah, but it's not like they actually actually said, "Hey, that's a bacteria right there." Yeah. So it's just characteristic. It's not conclusive. And actually, yeah, the, the thing is they, they said it's not been proven effective for differenti- if differentiating between biological and non-biological processes on Earth. So, like, we have to, it's the, you know, Earth is the control. In the yeah. It should be the control in the experiment. You have to do it on Earth so that you can make sure, okay, yes, this works, before you start trying it somewhere else where we, where, you know, different conditions might create different results. Hey, cool. or Results that appear to be. That's the new MARB probing... Ro- rovers. It looks like a marble that would just roll around. Yeah, so they would use, there's a new, there's a little video embedded in it that says, shows a a concept art for a new kind of Mars rover, which looks like a, it's actually like a ball with, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Framework sphere. Yeah, a framework sphere around an actual sphere, like a closed sphere. You can kind of see it in the middle. board. let's just click on it. Tumbleweed rovers. Yeah, pretty much is what it looks but like. You can kinda of see there's a ball in the middle and then there's They're sort of like a frame with fins on the inside and it would use Mars uh, wind, wind on Mars to yeah. move them. Now I don't know they would have to develop some sort of experiments and stuff where it wouldn't matter where they go or they'd have to know I don't know how much they know about exact you know surface wind direction and speed and things like that or they correlate on the it to a giant hamster ball at NASA somewhere
0: <laughs> and it somebody kind of like a hamster ball somebody is in it and is running, or at least has an armchair with a steering wheel. Because, let's face it, we all kind of want the bubble cars.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's also, it's interesting, too, they said that the the person who originally did this, the, the originally, or who did the new study, Joseph Miller, who's a neuropharmacologist and biologist at the University of Southern California, uh, Keck School of Medicine, he says that he's also reanalyzing the data to see if there's any difference between the one set of data and with another set of data from when sunlight was blocked by a dust storm on Mars that lasted for weeks to see if there's the idea being that biological systems would have obviously reacted to the different environmental conditions of not having any sun Hmm. for weeks. So it is an interesting idea, but it looks like it has a way to go before it's been proved. Yeah, technically. But it can't be a bad idea to look at the data from 30 years ago again. Yeah with fresh eyes Especially considering, you know, the advancements in computers and stuff that you can probably do with data like that. And then in other nifty sciencey stuff, and this one is something that you could theoretically do at home, unlike crunching, you know, Mars Voyager data. So someone named Francesco Caponi has posted instructions on Lomography.com, L-O-M-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y.com, about how to make a pin egg, which is a egg pinhole camera. I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Now, if you don't know what a pinhole camera is, some people might vaguely remember it from when they were kids. I think there's I've seen a couple kids' books where you can make them. Um Basically, a pinhole camera is a box of some kind. An enclosure, where, a light. Yeah, enclo- yeah. W- a light-proof enclosure with a tiny pinhole in it. And opposite the pinhole, you have some kind of photographic medium that will... Alter when the light hits it. I think I remember making these when I was in school or something like that. But you can do a pinhole because it'll take a while for it to expose or you can cover the pinhole and then, you know, uncover it for... In, this, in his case, it took 30 minutes to expose because it's so small. It only lets a tiny little light in. But you can you can still get pictures from it. And what he did is he took an egg and cut like a two centimeter square in it. And he says that after you cut the hole, at this point, you will find yourself covered in egg juice. So this is going to be very... Mag- and he does mention... A number of times during the article, there is a lot of times during this process when it is very easy to break the egg. He said he went through 50 eggs and got four photographs. So you empty out the egg and you wash off all the, the egg bits, especially from the inside. And then in a dark room, you paint the interior with it's... liquid photographic emulsion, yeah. which is a light-sensitive material. And, of course, it has to be in a dark room, because otherwise it will, it'll immediately expose. And then what he did is he blocked the opening with a wrought brass pinhole plate that has sort of the same curve to it as an egg. So he was sort of like putting a fake jigsaw piece back Yeah. Onto the egg. And then use black tape to seal that glass plate on. Now, if anyone has done, I think, an experiment in science class 2 where you hold up an egg in front of a light. And you can see Eggshells are somewhat translucent. Like, light will go through them. So he says you also need to have a, a dark cloth to wrap it in. Because otherwise light will sort of leak in from outside. But you have to wrap it with the the cloth and leave the pinhole exposed. Okay, so then you have to take it outside, somewhere very brightly lit, and then you have to pose something in front of it for quite a while. Yeah. In his case, it was himself for, he said for 30 seconds, actually. I think I said 30 minutes earlier. But for 30 seconds. Then you go back to the darkroom. You use photographic developing and fixing chemicals. To develop the then, inside of the and then and then
0: stabilize it.
1: Yeah, and stabilize it. And then you should at that point you should be able to see something like with any kind of you know actual film photography when you put the developing fluid on it you should be able to see start this, seeing this something negative coming out. image. Right. I remember. Here.
0: I remember in photography class we actually had to do the trays of mm-hmm. developer and fixer and you just Bath. came out
1: of the room smelling of chemicals. Yeah, my dad had a dark room when I was little and I would have always run in and want to want to watch the Pictures appear by magic. And he says at this point, too, you can also widen the, the hole in the egg so that you can see the image better. And then he said at that point he took a photograph with a regular camera and turned it negative so that you then you get the positive image right from inside the shell. And he's actually got pictures here. It's really neat. I'm really impressed with what he's done. Yeah. And he says the whole thing is almost simple. The worst part is dealing with the fragility of the shell.
0: Yeah, because he uses a Dremel tool to make that
1: square. Yeah, in the original. Can you imagine taking a Dremel tool to an egg? I can't imagine it. You would have to have very steady hands yeah. and just do tiny little bits at a time. Throughout
0: all of this, you have off, to have like
1: tiny little powdery bits of eggshell. Yeah. Because the interesting thing is he says as I wish the egg is the camera and the photograph at the same time. Yep. Which is kind of neat. That is neat. Yes, yeah, so there's a little sci- a science experiment for anybody who's really into photography and anyone who who has a lot of patience and a lot of eggs. Yes.
0: Quite, doesn't my quite a few omelets moving from the fragility of those things that would frustrate us yes into the comfort of cravings covets and
1: crushes yes and into the the much more forgiving world of knitting
0: yes my craving covet crush all of them this week is another pattern and it is july gloves by mel clark and as guests they are gloves they're dainty little gloves just up to the wrist, and they have lace work on the back of the hand. There are bobbles, and it implies buttons that run along the side, probably from the knuckle of your pinky
1: finger down to the wristband. Yeah, so the, the style sort of mimics like a woman's like very fancy glove, but it is done in fingering weight wool, and the lace on the front does look like a simple little zigzaggy. Yeah pattern. It's not super lacy. So these are obviously warm gloves, too. So this is about 350 yards? Yeah. yeah. It says she uses she used Kwego. Yeah. And, of course, it mentions gloves in July, <laughs> but for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, it is. of course, it's getting into fall and winter there. Yeah, so... As the designer, the designer says she lives in the Southern Hemisphere, where July is the middle of winter. But she actually named them after the heroine of a favorite book, The Long Song, by Angela Levy. I'm sure to the Northern Hemisphere people, J- The the word July and gloves seem kind of odd, but obviously for the, Southern, for the Southern Hemisphere people, not so much. They remind me of sort of like tea party gloves. Yeah, though like I said, again, well, these would be, the way they're, they're they would designed, they would be warm. They would be warm. <laughs> they would be warm. But if you want that sort of elegant look in a warm glove, there you go. And speaking of elegant looks... Yes, very elegant looks. These would look good with a couple patterns and yarns that I have found. Because I've seen a few of our listeners and friends getting hooked on Downton Abbey. So I did a little search to see if there was any Downton Abbey inspired stuff. And wow, what do you bet? There are, from Storied Yarns on Etsy, there's a Downton Abbey Spin Along and Knit Along Package. So, it's a combination of spin-along or knit-along and yarn club. And in her Etsy shop right now, she's got one for... One package that's for hand-dyed roving, four ounces, and one that's for hand-dyed yarn or... For bats. So for with, depending on the the purchase, you'll get 100 grams of your choice of yarn weight or one bat set for four ounces or roving, four ounces of roving um, done in whatever Downton Abbey inspiration you choose. Oh, wow. If you go to the listing for it. She has a link to her existing colorways uh-huh. for Downton Abbey characters. And she says she's happy to dye one of those existing colorways. Or you can choose another inspiration for Something- one of the characters with colors you choose. Something like Thomas dies in all the fires. <laughs> oh my god, I want that now! <laughs> I want that now! Thomas needs to die in all the fires. Or you can choose a p- particular episode or scene for your inspiration. Okay. So you could pick Sybil's scandalous new outfit. For anyone, who, oh. anyone who's seen the seer, the first series, or something like that, or again for anyone who's seen the series, one of the ones she she says, "How about Mary's Turkish delight?"
0: <laughs> Have you seen it yet? No, but I've gotten synop like I the told synopsis, you. so you sort Yes, should know what I know. Yes.
1: But yes, and then what you do, once all the, she says once all the purchasers are in, she's going to leave it up to the end of April so she can ship in early May. Um, She's going to order the supplies, get dying. You'll receive your package in the mail shortly after that. Then you can join in the fun at my storied yarns group on Ravelry.com to show off your fiber choice and your knitting slash spinning. At the end of the fiber along, I will draw a prize winner from the list of people who spin or knit the contents of their packages. That's very cool. Yes, that sounds like it could be fun. I haven't purchased from this person before, but... I did. I just saw this on Etsy and thought it sounds like a fun idea. And I'm assuming the pictures that surround that are for the, the sort of the image for the the club are of colorways that she's done for Downton Abbey characters before. Or if you want instant gratification, user Roman Hills R O M A N H I L L S on Etsy has a bunch of different yarns up already that are in Downton Abbey character colorways. Thomas and O'Brien. Oh god! And of course, it's black, black and white. Of course, Bates, Branson, Mary, Sybil. Ooh, I love Sybil with the purple and the light blue and the white. Nuclear what? Nuclear midnight? Yeah, that's different. Something else. <laughs> she has a colorway, not D- Downton Abbey, but colorway called Chainsaw, and it's blue with red splashes. Look at Toasted Marshmallow. Ooh, that one looks nice. But and at the moment in the shop, she's got a custom order up. So I'm sure if you looked through her sale items and you saw something that you wanted that is Oh, the Dowager Countess. Oh, where, where, where was that? Right here. Merino silk nylon silver. Ooh. That's a sold item. Damn. But it. like I was just saying, she does custom orders. 420 yards. Reply fingering. Again, I haven't actually bought anything from this person, but the colorways are pretty. They are. Now, if you wanted to knit an object that was a little bit more Downton Abbey ish, I found the Downton Jacket on Ravelry by Elizabeth McCartan. And it's from her, Elizabeth McCartan's Ravelry Downloads. And it's a cardigan that has some really nice waist shaping and buttons. It goes, it looks like it has a fairly high collar, though, of course, you can, you know, just not button the top or not Mm -hmm. put buttons all the way way to the top. And so it buttons up fairly high. There's three buttons on the wrist and just the shaping of it and the collar look very sort of traditional. It has the lines of of a fitted jacket. Yeah, a fitted jacket. It's got, ooh, it's got that nice little placket in the back, the little Mm. venting in the back. And it does sort of remind me a little bit of some of the... I think I have seen some sweaters from pattern books of the time that looked sort of generally a little like this one. And she says, it's a ladylike, seamless, unstructured jacket inspired by the TV series of the same name and the gothic Victorian architecture of historic Kingston, Ontario. So she's Canadian. But yes, I like this jacket. And now that... Yeah, it looks like it's seed stitch body, which... That will take time. That will take... Time and patience, but I do like the shape of it. I do like that little back detail with the little, actually, the little band in the back. <laughs> Looks a little bit like Sherlock coat. It does, <laughs> and it goes up to fifty inch, uh, fifty inch chest. And considering how, like, it's got the shaping on the sides, but considering the the stitch pattern, it shouldn't, it wouldn't be too hard to like upsize that. And that one just takes a worsted weight yarn. That one would be kind of fun to wear with a long skirt, especially maybe
0: with some brogue boots or something like that, or shoes. Yeah, and, and some gloves.
1: Yes, and a big hat. Oh god, yes. The other day I was looking on Etsy for like Downton and Titanic inspired stuff and there was a few places where people had the lovely enormous Edwardian hats that I just love. I'd feel like Lady Mary walking across the estate when I'm, you know, going to the bus down my nineteen <laughs> down my circa 1960s suburban street. I could have the Downton Abbey theme playing in my head as I walk down the road. you need a parasol. That could be done. That could be arranged. Though it would look kind of weird to be carrying a parasol if uh, in the kind of weather where I'd be wearing a True wool enough. cardigan down True the enough. It'd probably be grey and windy. Okay. Lovely. <laughs> I could have lots of fun with the photo shoot for the finished project for that. But Okay, there's some inspiration and some thoughts to go with to get your little brains going, either on Downton Abbey inspired projects, or zombie survival, or... Dear okay. God, my brain just tried to mash up yeah, those Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I went there too.
1: Zombie Abbey. Downton Zombie! Oh, for the love of... Oh. <laughs>
0: Now Thomas really can die in all the fires. Yes! Yes! <laughs> okay, okay, we need, okay. We need to and go. And on
1: that spot, we should get We out need of here. to go.
0: I think something is going to explode soon. We need to go. <laughs>
1: okay, have a good week, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's knit one geek 2 dot mt dash dot o r g you can also comment at our ravelry group just search the ravelry groups for knit one geek 2 we're also on twitter you can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit one geek 2 have a good week everybody